And he goes into the optometrist, right? And Brad's got better vision than me. It's epic. And he goes into the optometrist, gets his eyes checked. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you're 20 And he's like, well, that's cool, but can I get a pair of those sunnies? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, some my sunnies, my $200 worth of bloody eye care that I don't use off my health insurance every time. Oh, no. And the optometrist. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're a little bit. I suppose that left eye mm, could, yeah, you, no, you're right. All right, well, we better order them up for you. So on his health fucking care, he gets 200 buck pair of like pin pass. Yeah, because you get 100% you know. back on that. And the optometrist would get the money. So it's in his interest. What's your prescription? It's zero. Pimp. The prescription is zero, zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's um underrated genius, that guy. That's pretty smart. That's Absolutely. smart. The secret's out. And on that note, I might take the opportunity to welcome everyone to episode episode nine of One Number Off the Wood. Um yeah. So episode nine, one off the wood. We we've got a special episode. We're gonna be talking about the time that you was cycled from Perth to Melbourne. Uh, dr- driven by the ketogenic diet and you made a documentary about it, which was called Fat Chance. So I think we've brought it up a few times through our different podcasts and we said, oh, we'll talk about it one day and today's the day. What do you think today's about that? Today's the day, that's it. Before we get into that, yeah. how are you? I'm a little bit... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm bloody good, mate. Um, I'm going all right. I'm a little bit, um, a little bit nervous actually. It's funny. Like I'm, I've done a few podcasts for this. This is my first experience with podcasts. Really, was actually being on them because I didn't listen to any podcasts cycling across the Nullarbor. My biggest regret, actually. Yeah, because you was have, unaware. You probably weren't into it, medium. Matt. That would have made. I'd have probably got it done. In, probably would have ridden home. Two weeks. Yeah, get on to something good. Get onto a good uh, crime podcast yeah. with ten episodes and. Just knock it out. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of them. <laughs> Definitely. But that that's actually my biggest one of my biggest regrets from it. But um yeah, that was my first experience with podcasts. Getting nice, uh, nice. being on them. So kind of being a bit nervous and um that's good. Well, I think we need to talk about don't it. be nervous. Something I'm pretty bloody proud of. We're gonna you should be proud and we we'll, we'll, don't be nervous. I might, you know, get get into some um some of the uns unknown stories that make maybe didn't make it to the documentary <laughs> so maybe you should be nervous <laughs> before we go there uh yeah. what are you taking where are you what are you taking off the wood tonight uh in p-town standard in the uh the boardroom and you can see behind me got the surfboard rack uh up there i've got uh emu export west australians favorite beer off the wood i got a man stubby actually i didn't know that came in stubbies i thought it only came in 30 can blocks Fuck yeah that's a no, man. they do stubbies. I like it. A new, a new board stubby. in the rack back there. I heard. No, actually, because new new boards sleep in the um in the bedroom until they've got a good surf in. So, right. <laughs> that's that's how that goes. Weird and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, the new Delta designs. I picked that. I told you I picked that up off Gumtree, fifty bucks, and I sent it to Marty Littlewood. Flashback to episode. Episode, whatever we did. Episode three, Delta Marty Littlewood, Delta. I sent it. 
I, um, it was listed on Gumtree as a six three, and and I sent it to Marty. I was like, check this thing out, like old Delta. And he writes back with this full story about who he shaped it for, what it was for. He, he told me it's a six eight. This is the thing on it, and I was like, oh, he's tripping. Like it says six three on the on it's the high thing. On. Anyway, it's just around. <laughs> he's been on the in the shaping bay too long. I went round to the blokes place to check it out. And like, you know, 50 bucks for a surf, but I was just going to buy it and give it to Marty. And sure enough, it's a 6.8. It's on it. The guy's read the dimensions wrong. And it's got these crazy, like, um, like the channels on the bottom of it. It's got double concave, but it's got like curved channels, like curved run out to it. Like that, um, uh, one of like Corey Graham still down in Torquay at the moment, like all this new school on twenties. It's sick. And yeah, I don't know. I love it. 50 bucks. Kotsubank. Howling on shore, 50 bucks. Got to, yeah, we'll take it to bluff, I reckon. Mint. No. We'll get distracted already. That's a, that's a good buy, though. And it's, it's pretty cool that Marty remembers. I was like, oh, yeah. I said, what year did he shape it? Is it that old? Um, I think it was in the 90s. In the 90s. It's a, it was a very 90s shape. There's a fair bit of, it's real straight, real, um, the wide point's quite far forward, like an old school single fin shape. Yeah. Um, and it's got a fair bit rocker and a thickness in the nose but it goes on rail amazing it doesn't go off the top very well you get you turn back up the lip and it doesn't doesn't pivot well but on rail man it's it's something to be desired you're gonna love it yeah look look i'll give it a spin with red bluff um for me i mean this is the first podcast that i've done from my house that we've actually released so i'm in melbourne st kilda east hotham street in the bedroom I'm drinking a vodka. It's a Kettle One vodka, which is top, top shelf. We had a bit of a shindig at our place Friday night. The kick-ons. A lot of people came back and all this random booze got left here. So I've just had a Sailor Jerry's on the rocks and now I've got a little vodka lime soda because I'm keeping it keto this week. So no beer, unfortunately. Been pretty hardcore on the keto for the three weeks other than Sunday when I ate pizza. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Pizza's the ultimate keto breaker because it's <laughs> fucking delicious. Fuck, it's so good. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Absolutely. Speaking of keto, so what year did this happen? 2016, 2017? 2015. Four years it's been. 2015. This. So in 2015, you've come up with the idea to ride your bike from Perth to Melbourne. Tell us where the idea came from. Well, it actually came from a road trip uh, driving when Brad moved to Kanara of all places. And I was working at the bank in Melbourne having a shit time. And I jumped in the car to drive him up to Darwin together. Living and we passed me. this bloke. So well, you live with me, you have yeah, a shit time. Mate, that's on you. It's time to this is <laughs> time to so get some inspiration. Know. Anyway, we're My cruising cruise. up the highway as as we do, it's probably about 10 a.m. And we pass this bloke on a push bike going up a hill. We're, we're north of um, Tennant Creek, like Stuart Highway. It's getting warm. And um, and we're like, we're parked at the top of this big, long hill. It's probably a K long. Pulled a tinny out of the fridge. I think it's about July. And like, uh, so we ran along next to this bloke, like Tour de France style, and gave him, gave him a beer. And he just pulls over. And he's like, shit, yeah, cracks this beer, rolls a dart. And he's just like the happiest dude sitting there on his push bike. And I, and I was just like, this guy, his name's Paul from Mentone. 
And I was like, this guy, I'm going to be this guy one day. Like just, he'd, he'd broken up with his missus, sold everything, had to pay her out and just start, just met a guy riding a push bike who seemed real happy. So he got a push bike and started riding and just decided to ride to Darwin, like never done anything before, punching big Ks out in his head. And, and I just, that image had stuck That's, with me for a long time. Sparked the sparked the idea for you. But you're in you're, yeah, I had you're it, living in it. Melbourne at that stage. Are you planning to move to Perth? I was getting no, I was just wanted to be that guy one day. Just and then when I, I planned that. to move to Perth and I I was like, right, here's the plan, I'll move to Perth, I'll get a job in the mines, make some mining chinger, and then uh find myself a West Australian wife and then uh ride my bike home. That, that's that was the, that was the loose plan, and yeah, and just was there in my head. Anyway, I got an opportunity because with these things, right? I'm no crazy endurance athlete. I'm literally average Joe as this guy was, and I. It's all about having the time and the opportunity to do it because you can't do it tomorrow. It takes a few weeks. Like you need to think about it. You need to have flexibility, not have grommies. Like be in the spot to do it. And I found myself a few years later, quit that mining job. Um, you know, with the opportunity to do it. So that was what got me frothing at the time. I was like, yeah. Did you try and get it. anyone to do it with you or were you just like, I'm going to do this by myself? And uh, it, was, it was always going to be a solo mission I had to do by yep. myself. So. so that's it, isn't it? Though? Like it's things like this. There's all these great ideas. And if someone just gave you, you know, money, so you didn't have to work. You'd probably be able to tick more things like this off. So when the opportunity comes up to do it, got to jump at the chance. So the opportunity comes up. Absolutely. Got the time. Um, how, how did it go from, from that to you sort of added onto it that you're going to do it driven by fat, not by carbs, and you're going to make a doco about it? How did those two parts sort of come into the plan? Yeah, so... I was down playing footy at Cot Roosters and frothing it. And there's a bloke down there, this guy Creedy, who features in the docker as well because it was, it was our sort of inspiration together. He, I sort of asked him, you know, like never being on a diet before, just chowing, you know, food is fuel for me. Just, I know, put the calories in and you can put them out through your arms or your legs and make cool stuff happen. And Butter of the toast, eat he, the toast, uh, shit the toast. Yeah, just making turds, mate. <laughs> making turds and good times and, and like i uh he sort of mentioned this high fat diet thing i was like oh yeah not paying too much attention and he gave me a doco to watch which is called serial killers so yeah watch this doco i was like shit it's pretty compelling documentary and it makes you question what is fuel and why we thought about the food pyramid and yada yada anyway it's this irish bloke shot in south africa nothing to do with australia I was like, shit, I'll give this a crack. Why not? And then he, you know, talked me through a few other things. And he's like, hang on a minute. What, why don't we make our own doco, make an Aussie-based documentary that is this? Because if this works, you're going to want to share it with everyone. That was Creedy's passion, to share it with everybody. So, so is he, like, shit, what's, we'll his, um, what's his expertise? His background? He's, in, uh, he's done sports nutrition, studied um, something like that. He's, and he was working up in the mines at, at the time. Um, in sports nutrition pretty much or okay. in the health yeah so that's side his, that's his field yeah that's his, he actually runs a business called life cycle now 
they grow mushrooms out of like cardboard boxes and you can buy them and does like mushroom teas and the fully uh, mushroom. Yeah. I'm all about it. I'm on the, um, I'm on the lion's main drops at the moment. Get that memory yeah, boosted. Nice. I've been doing He's a bit still... of foraging myself lately. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he's a, um, <laughs> he's a, so I watched that documentary back in 2015. You, I can't remember. You must've told me about it because about the same time I yeah, was I, experimenting I with the keto diet as well. And I can't remember if it was from something else. And then I, you told me about it and I watched it or if, or if I watched that documentary and then got into it, but either way, yeah, it was pretty like it's a, it's a, not like a well-known documentary and it's a little bit amateur, but it is super compelling. Like, and then the more you read into it, the more you realize that, Oh shit, this works. Like you can, this diet actually works and gives you energy and makes you feel good. There's something to it. A hundred percent that it gives you energy. It makes you feel good. And so like, and you can see why we're like, shit, we should make an Aussie version of this and yeah, yeah. share it around and, jump on the bandwagon pretty early because I think 20 it, it's pretty popular now amongst people hitting the gym or anything or you oh. listen to like endurance athletes not like marathon runners but like you know endurance athletes bang per kilogram like if you're going to carry your food you want calories per kilogram in there and carbs are out the window like bananas are out the window you know like who's the be- guy you were talking about Colin Colin O'Grady, Colin Grady is it Colin, Colin O'Grady O'Grady went to the South Pole basically eating coconut oil and like he he was yeah driven on a ketogenic diet for that because that basically if you're going to drag your own food down there it's too heavy the amount of food you need but if you if he was able to come up with these they sounded horrible it's just like a block of coconut oil mixed with a few other <laughs> bits and pieces just a lump just hook in yeah 40 40 coconut oil but the, and the beauty of that was that it didn't freeze it yeah. worked for him as well yep and he doesn't even talk about ketogenic diets, but that was scientifically yeah, it's just you know, a, made up his actual work yep. for it. So yeah. it's obviously, yeah, something that, that works and yeah, we thought, shit, let's make it. But neither of us, like Creedy doesn't, has no experience making documentaries. I've, you and I, my only experience making films is cutting, <laughs> cutting together clips from going skiing or surfing or something together, Yeah, which is epic. But we... Uh, <laughs> That, that was yeah, it. no we experience were... making tacos and water. We were not professionals at all. And we um, scammed a few people into helping us out and um, some film students who then ended up leaving it on the floor. were like, this is too much effort. Filmed the first bit. I filmed everything across the Nullarbor myself. Got uh, our good mate, Kirsty Bennett. Kirsty Bennett from Adelaide. <laughs> to, what did, did Kirsty Bennett uh, do for you? Oh, she filmed, filmed the arrival in Melbourne. Um, sorted us out and then came back and had a few interviews to put together and we had no producers or videographers anything left and then this Mel who is an, the absolute hero of Fat Chance just picked it up and she got scammed thinking it was like a half finished project that she just had to finish off but she's ended up picking up uh, hours worth of footage off the floor no storyline and then put it together and made an hour documentary and we paid her like a couple of grand and that was it to oh. do this. So what so was her name? Shout so out to Mel. Mel. Mel Smith, Mel. Silver Squid Productions.
So our, on YouTube, the, 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 it's on YouTube now and it's under Silver Squid Productions and they're in Perth and, yeah, that's uh, okay. she's the hero. Without Mel, none of this would happen. So she's so. published it on YouTube under Silver Squid. Good on you, Mel. Um, all right. Under so, the pretenses that it goes massive, that uh, she takes her name off it because we'll probably get done for copyright in a million different ways and people whose permissions we didn't get signed off and all yeah, that bullshit. You can't do everything so by the book, you know. Proper film. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> how long, how much, how many months preparation from like let's make a doco to to um, jumping on in the saddle and heading off? Literally the next day we started doing the prep filming and then uh, so it was about six weeks from deciding we'll do it. Yeah. Started doing some filming. I did the rotto swim just in a team um, of four. So went with the traditional carb loading, ate all the carbs in the house, um, convinced everyone that was living at my house at the time to change onto the keto diet with me, join the journey. And then after the rotto swim, had four weeks to go with uh, go with the actual diet and prep and, and yeah. get uh, ready to it cycle. It takes and then- a couple of weeks really to, first time you do it especially, it takes a couple of weeks for your body to get used to it, eh? It definitely takes, I reckon, two weeks. The first week, you're quite lethargic and, and I experienced that trying to go to footy training. And then <laughs> second week, by the end of the second week, it was just like, oh, shit, I'm up and about here. Like, yeah. Not it feels, eating. It feels spicy, don't you? That was like, Wake up in the morning with energy. Yeah. <laughs> spicy. Yeah. Spicy. I, find, I, like I, <laughs> I, I go in and out of it, but I have been on it last three weeks pretty, except for Monday when I ate pizza or Sunday. Um, but I can swing back into it in two days now and not have that lethargic feeling. I don't know if that's, if there's any science behind that, but because I bounce back and forth between it, I don't have, it doesn't take me two weeks to to acclimatize to it. It takes me two days, sort of three days max. If that. Definitely think your body knows how it's knows how to burn fat and how to do that again. And, and it also, you've probably stopped eating, shit food straight away because what was the norm eating pizzas and pastas and feeling lethargic and getting food comas is no longer the norm. And when you do it, you wake up the next day, the next 12, 24 hours, you're like, you feel shit and bloated and you're farting all I am. And it's like, nah, I'm not doing this again. I'm not following up with more wheat bigs or, or crap food again. Bang on like you and you cut it out. And yeah, and that's a big part of now. Like that's the most common question. Yeah. Are you still doing it? And whilst I'll eat pizza, I have pizza on, on the weekend as well. But for <laughs> this is so rubbish. But the, my house, there's no I don't have bread, I haven't bought bread in years. I, I don't have cooked pasta dishes, I don't have wheat big cereals or any of that stuff or rice. Like it's just not in the house. So yeah. everything in my house is pretty much on the diet. It's just when you go to people's houses, not being that dickhead who's like, well, can't eat this. Can't eat this. Can't I'm eat not that. keto. Just, just eat it. And you were the wheat bix kid for sure, weren't you? Like eating half a box of wheat yeah. in a sitting. Was the Absolutely. most, was the most wheat fat you ever did? I had uh, on schoolies, I sat down to do that, to see how many wheat bigs we had, 31 wheat bigs in one sitting, almost two litres of milk in a, in a sitting. Just idiot, just stupid 18-year-old kid. Two litres of milk, you're not supposed to be done. able to drink. Like that's the two-litre milk challenge. I think if you just have two litres yeah, of milk well, by itself, you will spew it back up. 
Well, no. Nah, if you layer it with 31 wheat, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not going anywhere. That's, <laughs> that's solid. Anyway, digressing. That was good. So, all right. We've, you've, quick turnaround. You did the righto swim. You've, you've, you've turned your body into a fat-burning fucking machine. Um, then you've like, you've got to get on a bike and ride to Melbourne. And that's, is that daunting day one? Or is it just like, did you just think, you know, one, one little bit at a time or the first couple of days? Like, I don't, I don't really like the way I deal with fear is to just pretend it doesn't exist. Whatever the scary thing is, isn't happening until it's happening. Cause you just do your own nana and, and I kind of dealt with it like that. I didn't do a lot of training. I rode, I didn't even ride a hundred Ks once. I think I rode like 80 or something one day as a training day and, and just kind of tested out the gear and figured I had a lot of time each day. I'll get it done. And then when it came around, I was like, Oh fuck, this is actually kind of scary. Like I've driven the Nullarbor a few times. It's a long way. There's not a lot out there. But scary enough to drive. It was pretty hectic. And then yeah, yeah scary enough to drive, but we had a the first, day one, Barbecue down at the, the uh, footy club. Tate rode out with me to day one. We did about 85Ks, but it, it's pretty hectic up in the hills. And got it, um, mate, got a camp pretty early and was chilled out. I was like, this is fun. You know, I've got someone to ride with day one. Um, girlfriend at the time, uh, the captain, she uh, met, met us at camp one. The car cooked up some epic food. And then it wasn't until actually day two that was scary because I'm in the morning, bright and early, just saying goodbye to those two. And I was there, I was like, fuck, this is actually hectic. Like, I've just ridden 85Ks and I'm looking down this road with nothing on it and I've got 3,500Ks-ish ahead of me and, like, I'm not going to be done for four to six weeks. And that, <laughs> I was like, fuck, is this actually a good idea? <laughs> like, it was all fun and games while people were around and thought it was a sick idea. But then... So the reality of the... pretty scary reality of the situation actually kicked in settled in and yeah it was pretty hectic and the first that was the probably yeah day two i think at at that point and things didn't go very well for you to start with did they no i think a lack of training um (laughs) a lack of planning all came upon me hadn't really cycled with the bike loaded up as it was. I got to the first town and it was Sunday, so nothing's open in Perth, so I couldn't get any proper food. Um, I was just eating nuts. And uh, and then my setup was all wrong. I was riding, like, because I was used to riding a carbon bike and just pushing through the gears, you know, power through and you get up to the next gear. So I wasn't driving it, riding the bike like you drive a truck, using every gear to go up and go down through. I was sort of pushing through them and yeah just fucked my knee like it was painful riding i had headwinds the first three four or five days it was hilly it actually was really difficult and and i was pushing i was watching stats watching looking at my speedo the whole time like yeah i've got to do this i've got to do that i've got to do that and not going hang on a minute what the fuck like one step at a time you know, it should just be energy output, not kilometers output because it doesn't reflect the wind or the hills or whatever. So I put a bit of duct tape over the, over the speedo and I was like, right, I'll look Stop at that looking at it at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So it didn't, didn't exactly go well, but then I think you, you wind into it and I got to, I had a rest days over Easter in 
um, aspirants and my knee was fucked by the time I got there. Couldn't walk downstairs. Because I like, remember put some ice on talking it to you, like, your knee's fucked. It. And did you think you weren't going to be able to keep going? Or you're just like, uh, this is going to be embarrassing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> had to go back home because my knee's cooked. It <laughs> turns out I couldn't do it. Yeah. Hundred percent. I, I I genuinely almost quit on probably day four or five. It took me six days to get the aspirants. I genuinely almost quit then because I, like my knee was just cooked and the there was a long task ahead and it just wasn't right. And it's like people ride bikes. Like I'm, you know, I've ridden bikes. I, I can sort this out. And uh, rest day in aspirants and the idea was like, all right, I'll have punch it out of aspirins, but once I get to the nullarbor, like if I ride to the Norseman, then there's like a hitchhike back, I'll figure it out. But yep. once we're on the nullarbor, it's serious. And then out of aspirins that day, I had a slight tailwind or like no breeze at all. And I did 170 Ks. After one rest day, I didn't eat any chocolate over Easter. I fueled up on fat, just chowed down on bacon so hard and I felt incredible. Like it yep. was just, it, it was insane. And I was like, I've just ridden 170 Ks after never riding that before, after doing a week flat out. And that's when it kind of clicked. I was like, I'm on here. Like, this is, we're getting this done. So would you recommend to other people with knee injuries, bacon as a, as a potential rehabilitation? Uh, <laughs> we should have disclaimed this episode with, um, I was going to say that neither of us are doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I actually went to say at the start, like this, the, there is some science behind all this. We don't know how to talk about the science. So there's a lot of bro science happening here. But I will say, if you do have a knee injury, just test out the whole bacon scenario and riding 2,000 kilometers as a fix. Like, it's worth a try. <laughs> at the <laughs> very least, worth a try. it's worth a try. Um, yeah, I mean, so that that's pretty cool anyway that you that you did cop that sort of early on and able to push through it. I think the funniest thing that you told me, and it's not, you didn't put in the documentary, which upsets me, but tell us about the, the cream scenario. Oh, uh, well, look, so across the Nullarbor, I'd sent myself packages cause I knew it was going to get hard to get food. So I sent boxes of nuts, oil, um, bacon. That's pretty much it. Protein. No bacon. I knew I'd be able to get bacon at roadhouses, <laughs> but I'd sent myself care packages and I'd kind of run through them and got to one of the roadhouses and was asking them for food. I was like, I need something. Like I, I just had a double serving of bacon and eggs. I was just eating four eggs and double bacon. And I was like, is there any tucker I can take with me? Cause the next roadhouse is 200 plus Ks away and I'm not going to make it. Like, what can I take with me? And they're like, Oh, we don't have this left. And he's like, Oh, and he's like, what about this? And the guy's like pulled up a litre of cooking cream and it's just, you know, it's pretty thin cream, 30% fat, so 300 grams. I was like, oh, fuck it. I was like, yeah, all right. Sounds good. Whacked it in the bag and got going and then like <laughs> drank half of it at lunchtime and the, <laughs> I was smart enough. I put it on the non-sunny side of the panniers on the south side and um, it <laughs> by the time I got to the uh, – to dinner time and it kind of like shaken just just whipped itself a little bit in the bag and i drank the rest of it i was like oh that wasn't so good and mate it tasted delicious it was just like really thick like rich yogurt it was it was good but we didn't put it in the doco 
because I think it is a bit extreme. And for it's, my it, it is extreme, but like it's almost like the diesel of a keto diet. Like really, if you're going to just if you just need energy, then like short of just like munching on a on a stick of butter, like woofing down a fucking bit of full yep. cream. Like you know, you might not be, but absolutely. Like it's it's not, and it wasn't about for me at that point. It wasn't about the variety of food because obviously, <laughs> and we put in the doco like you know, there's some great meals that you can have on it, but it is about I just needed fat for fuel, and this was the most raw example of 300 grams of fat. That's a day's cycling. This is going to do me well, and it genuinely did. By that time, I was just powering and not snacking during the day not getting hungry just like proper diesel tug 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 along is it it yeah so at the point it, it was good bit <laughs> nothing like a liter of cream it's better than drinking oil how many calories in 100 grams of cream 900 oh i don't know i, I think could go and look but you know so that's like yeah that's so that's basically one, one liter of cream in a liter 2700 calories that's your, that's your output for your cycling that day. For that's the all day. Yeah. That's all you need. No, I, I think I'll actually, towards the other end of the Nullarbor, I definitely wasn't eating enough. Like I shredded the kilos because I was running out of food and, and I'd eating just bacon and eggs. Like, you know, bacon's full of protein, but there's not a great deal of fat on it. And I just wasn't getting enough in for the, the K's and the hours of exercise I was putting in. So I was like proper thing. Shout out to Darian Ryder, proper shed shredded AF. Just when you check out the YouTube comments. Yeah. YouTube comments. We've talked about this in another episode about Durian Ryder, who's a vegan cyclist. And in the comments of the documentary, he's written, where is it? I've got here. LOL. It took him 42, 42 days to ride a distance. I have literally done in 16, lol, explanation mark. I also didn't use any stimulants like coffee, etc. How come Warren didn't lose any weight? I lost seven kilos and was shredded as fuck. Durian rider, you fuckwit. <laughs> <laughs> worth reading. Well, he's right. I didn't lose. I didn't worth reading again. I didn't lose as much weight as him. I lost six and a half kilos. I got down to 77 kegs. Which Were you is, shredded? I reckon AF. right now. AF, shredded AF. I'm willing to post a photo to Durian. If he comments, I'll post a photo of me shredded AF. It's a bit X-rated in the bathroom, but, you know, whatever. So I've got, a, I've got a question for you because I met this um, girl at a party. No, she was, she was with my friends and we were going out to the beer fest the other night and she was a bigger girl. Um, but anyway, she... When we've the first thing she did when we met her was like, Do you guys want to hear a funny story? I was like, Yeah, I'd love to hear a funny story. Anyway, she proceeded to tell us this long winded story, very long winded. We've only just met this girl about how she rode her bike from Perth to Sydney. There's a do you know there's a big race that happens and everyone rides across? Yeah, Indie Pack. Yeah. Indie Pack. So she's I'm done this. The heroes, legend. Yeah, yeah. Mate, who is she? She's uh, any, I can't remember it. Christy, I think her name was. Um, but anyway, the story was that she pulled over with a puncher, some weird guy in a ute pulled over and she very almost nearly got, uh, like who knows what she nearly got, but she, she did a few things with her phone and, um, 
and stuff to get out of it. And it sounded scary. And the sto- anyway, the story went for ages and I got to the end and I was like, um, excuse me, but you asked us if we wanted to hear a funny story. The story about you getting raped on the Nullarbor is not funny, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which she took quite well. But anyway, <laughs> any, any near abductions slash like Wolf Creek scenarios because her story was scary as, as fuck. Not funny, scary. Well, I, I, if you could see me, my mouth was open then. Yeah, you could have your mouth wide open. A very fucking similar thing happened to me. Uh, at the well, back end of the nullarbor, man, that is wild. I could describe the guy. He was a was like, he in a white U? hundred kilo white U dual oh. cab or extra cab, not dual cab. White U like tub, not tray. Whereabouts? And uh, this um, this is not set up. Like, was, like, this is a random thing that I've just told you. Like you didn't know that yeah. I knew that story. Not not at all. No, be the same. There's some Wolf Creek dude out weird. there. Trying to well, all right. So I'll, I'll explain my near abduction in a second, which I haven't really told anyone either. But just ahead of me, there's a Japanese guy on, and he got to Bunda Cliffs. You know the Nullarbor, like cliffs bit. So the road goes really close to the Great Australian Bight, and they're 40, 50 meters high. These amazing cliffs. Anyway, they he was a couple of days ahead of me riding, and disappeared and they obviously didn't make it and people called in they're looking for him they found his tent pitched probably like 10 or 15 meters from the cliffs and suspected that he'd got up in the middle of the night or at some point fallen off the cliffs and just disappeared so they found all his kit and his setup but it didn't never found this japanese guy riding oh he just which is fell a off the cliffs like what the just fuck and they left him you kidding me yeah, he's gone. No, not no, no, tourists, mate. Who cares? Four, five, seven, probably one of those people just coming in, stealing our jobs. We need one to, of those lot. We need to do a crime podcast series on this. I think we've uncovered something here. <laughs> we should. We should. It was, it was pretty out there. Anyway. So this was, I hadn't heard about that guy, but um, at one point, and I, it was on definitely on the Nullarbor because this guy drove past me in this ute and he slowed down and drove and he, and he was like, you'd almost see him thinking in his like acceleration. And then he decided to pull over and he pulled over a K ahead of me at least, like a long way. And he's taking a piss. And then he was just hanging out at his ute. I was thinking of something. I kind of caught up to him. He's like, hey, mate. And he wanted to have a chat. And then I clearly wasn't stopping, just rolling through. And then he got rolling in his ute next to me. And then eventually I kind of pulled up. I was like, I didn't need to piss. So I was like, oh. Just stop until I'm not going to outride this guy. And he's like, mate, oh, like, do you want a lift? You know, blah, blah, blah. Like trying to convince me to have a lift. And I'm like, no, nah, mate, I'm, I'm riding. I'm not, you know, blah. he's like, oh, no, nah, throw the bike in the ute. It's fine. I'll, I'll take you. Come with me. It's fine. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll take you. Where are you headed? I'm headed in that direction. And I'm like, mate, it's the fucking nullable. We're all heading in the same direction. I don't think you understand. I'm not riding because I'm poor. This like, It's the whole <laughs> idea that I'm riding. <laughs> For the fucking challenge of it, mate. And he's like, and he, but he was a bit obviously not quite all there. He's like, no, come on, come on, we'll, we'll I'll take you. And um, and, she like, said nah. and then he started asking for a bit not all there as well. And he kept, he uh, he's like insistent on um on uh like taking me. But then he asked, started asking for directions. He's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Sydney, or Canberra actually. I'm going to Canberra. I'm like, all right. He's like, oh, where do I turn? I'm like, mate, I'm not even kidding, mate. It's this fucking one road. 
there's a T-junction, you turn left, you end up at, your first turn is a day and a half from here, you're at Port Augusta and then you get to make a decision. Like there's no turns, you just, you're going. But it was kind of weird and I think he kind of caught me in one of those op- those points where I was just tripping like I was, I've been doing the same thing for weeks now and I was in a state of nothing's real. Like I was living in La La Land in meditation land for quite a while. And he, and so I didn't even register. This guy was just there and he, then he was gone. And I, and I kept riding and I didn't actually think about it until like quite a few days later. I was like, that guy's trying to abduct me. What's like what, what, what would have happened? Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he's just a friendly his... idiot, but maybe not as well. Man, that's, yeah, this, this story that this but, girl was telling me, it's like, it was the same thing. Maybe he's a friendly <laughs> idiot or maybe he's trying to abduct me and it, that is, it seemed like the latter for her. It'd be a bit harder I'd, to abduct, to abduct you, though. Yeah, well, uh, I can't. She's a friend of a friend. I don't know her name, but um, right. we'll, we'll sniff her out. The Indy I? Pack. Those guys are um, those guys are heroes, though. They're, that's original Overlandy. I'd never heard of them before riding across, but they pack super light. You know, a sleeping bag, and that's it. And sleep on park benches in public toilets and just go like the top guys ride 500 k's a day for the first couple of days and then just push endurance to absolute limits like i was no cycle touring experience no. rolling solo carried two shit on my I bike the, had to video and stuff different levels of of how they do it so all right i've got another question for you that i was thinking about today it's like it was tough at the start, right? And then you you get into it. Is there a time? Because how long did it take? Six weeks or something? Six. Yeah, six. Almost. Yeah, six weeks thereabouts. Because I had a few rest days and a rainy day and stuff. So, Is there um, a time forty-two you, days. 42 What's that? Six days. weeks. So is there a time yeah, where your body weeks. is just lapping it up? It's like, all right, this is what we're doing now. Um, I'm fucking in the zone here, body, and it's just became normal and and easy. Did was there anything, any days where that sort of clicked in? I think once you get a routine, but but also this sort of applies to a lot of things. Is like it's scary to think about doing, but then once you realise this is what we're doing, we're doing like you know going to jail. That'd suck, but like once you're there, you're just fucking doing it, and that's that's what you're doing, like. All I was doing was cycling. So my day involved getting up, making brekkie, packing a tent, getting on the bike. You don't think about it. This is the house. This is where I live. This is my world now. I just cycle. And so it stopped being hard. And I can really liken it to, say, jumping in the ocean when it's cold. You stand on the edge and you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And it's all in your brain talking yourself out of it. But once you're in, it's fine or it's cold and you're doing it and then it's over and it, yeah. you talk yourself out of so much stuff. And once your head adjusts, this is what we do. We just cycle. It was, yeah, I was just got in the zone like yeah. to, to actually do it every day. And that was, yeah, it was the new, the new normal was doing that. Plus without even realizing it, I learned to meditate and to go to some weird places in my head, as you can imagine, like no podcasts. I wish I had one off. Did the you have anything in my, in my ears? In your ears? You have music? I had um, my, 
Yeah, I have my iPod, but I put it on put it on shuffle from uh, that hadn't been updated since two thousand and eight, <laughs> and um, I tried to I tried to use that as a bit of a reward, and often just for safety, I'd ride with it in one ear, um, yeah. just just so I could hear the trucks and things. But I wasn't full time yeah. on the tunes. Yeah, which which I think would have helped a bit more but I, you know obviously quite safety conscious like wanted to hear what was going on the best thing was putting earplugs in without tunes just to stop the headwind like the noise in your ears that deafening you know in a windy day and you look into the wind and it just buffets it's just yeah, like sucks non-stop and that shit for six eight hours oh my god it is so like unbearable and to get get stop that having earplugs in like yeah it, that was almost like the hardest bit to deal with i think just that constant shit wind in the head that bad noise that you can deal with a lot of shit i reckon you can deal with rain you can deal with cold you can deal with hot in a lot of scenarios but wind is what just it, it drives you mental it absolutely drives you insane it's relentless do you think it's cuz you can't see it do you think that's what it is? I think it's, it's the noise the, of it. Yeah. What is this wizardry just ruining my time? Like it's moving, it's flapping your tent, it's pushing you backwards. Sorcery. Turn the, turn the on shore. What is this invisible sorcery? So, so what? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Mate, I've thought about the fucking weirdest stuff, eh? Like you, all that time on your own, in your oh, own I head. I in- did a float tank the other week and probably within 10 minutes I'd come up, I was I was doing this mantra. like, And it was not a mantra that I'd been told to do. It's just I came up with a mantra by accident in the float tank. I've written it down. but And it was basically I'd come up with an This was within 10 minutes of being in the float tank, came up with a mantra that I was like, this actually applies to every challenge in life. And I was like, it was just like, where did this shit come from? I wish I'd, I don't know it happened, but it was, uh, and, and that was, that was 10 minutes of, of, you know, meditation with, with sensory deprivation. So I can't imagine the shit that you're thinking. Oh, it does. I had, I had, um, the main things I was reading Stephen Hawking's book, short history of everything, but basically the physics of it. So that had me spinning out. I had, I was at footy training. I was getting a lot of support from the footy team boys and I would go to footy training in my head. And then that morphed into replaying footy games that I played as a junior and like going and playing the game. And I'm not talking like the highlights package, literally like, you know, standing in the middle, waiting for the kick out to come out, you know, man, checking where your man is, like literally playing the whole game chasing up, running down the field, not getting kicks. Like I played whole games of footy in my head and it just went hours. Like it went on. And the, like Saturdays were the best because the boys were playing footy. And so I was like, right, who are we playing? What oval are we at? I'm there. Like I played the game of footy and then I would have to wait a day to get the results when I get some reception. But it was it was full on. And one of the best ones actually, Anna, Anna Dortmund sent me a letter halfway across the Nullarbor to this place called Kimber, which is physically halfway across Australia. I went to the post office and picked it up and there was a lotto ticket in it. And for whatever, you know, $20 million draw or something. And I spent from Kimber to Adelaide 
spending that money in my head. Like, mm-hmm. how was I going to do it? How was I going to distribute it? Who would I tell? How would I tell them? You know, would I keep it a secret? What missions were we going to go on? Like, it, literally just that was – and she doesn't – I don't think she – comprehend how incredibly powerful that <laughs> was for you because it was amazing like just the the yeah like i got so much i'm gonna get a car out of that. and drive <laughs> across an elbow <laughs> i was listening to a but it was amazing to a louis ck um it's like a just a little stand-up that he did and he tells this whole story about how how he was, um, he just moved to a new building and he was looking pretty disheveled and he could tell that some guy thought he wasn't meant to be there. And he's like, yeah, and the guy came over and said, what are you doing here? And how he, he messed with this guy and did this whole back and forth. And he get to the end of the joke and he said, except none of that happened. All that happened in my head. It was like men particularly, <laughs> they just invent scenarios in their head and how it will play out and they go through the argument and what you'd say and what you were going to, and just go through the whole thing. And it's like practicing for conflict or practicing for life. And it's like you, so you had, you had 42 days of, yeah. of life practice. So it's probably really good for you. Do, do you, do you do that? Do you I go do through? Sure. Like, like you in the shower, I was doing, it was like, I'll think about yeah. something and I was like, Oh yeah. And I'll say this and it's that. And then you go through a whole exchange with a, an imaginary person in an imaginary scenario. It's like, you've, like your brain's prepping you just in case. Well, like, what would yeah, you, it's what would you have said? I do that. I, I do that all the time, but I just took it to new heights <laughs> in the cycling world. I can't, I've invented a bunch of weird shit too. One of, I can't remember <laughs> what they were. One, the left, left foot socks. Why the fuck don't we have left and right socks? Like we've got gloves. Shoes. Uh, you look down at your feet. They're not, that shit is not symmetrical. You cannot no. tell me that's symmetrical. I'm looking at my foot right now because I'm sitting on my bed and I'm wearing socks. And yeah, the big toe sits high and the little toe is a long way down right. from the big toe. And Miles down. So you're right. And then and the, the stupidest invention ever is tube socks. Like, have you ever seen an ankle? And yeah, I think you're right. Like tube socks. It's just a straight it's a sock. tube sock. It's a sock with no um, ankle section. Oh. It's like the opposite of what you're talking then about. They're just gonna... That's, yeah. It's fucking outrageous. <laughs> but that could be a business idea <laughs> in that. Like you get, you get your, f- a f- your mold of your foot taken and then we give you yeah. socks specific to your foot shape. Obviously, that's your business idea that you came up on the null. I don't, I don't even think, um, I don't even think you mold it to your feet. Just literally like you look at where the arch comes up compared to the outside and like cupping of the ankle is different. The big toe, the pressure point under the ball, your foot, all of this shit just needs, we just, and it's not that hard. You just whack a, a L on one of them or, you know, this you get yeah. creative. Like, yep. You know, cause we, as we can deal like, with it with shoes, like we don't, you rarely put your shoes on the wrong feet. So I think we can deal with it with socks. Occasionally. Yeah, from really? time yeah. to time. Yeah. We don't have tube shoes where it's like, oh, this one goes left or right. Never. Yeah. <laughs> what other Not, inventions did uh, you come up with? I, I can't remember. I'm sure there's a weird diary that I wrote things down that at the time seemed genius and probably <laughs> in context. Well, mate, if they're, if they're half as good as the fitted socks, I think you're under something. I think you're absolutely under something. The fitted socks. 
Oh yeah. Anyway, that was uh, okay. Yeah, I'll look one day. We'll I'll, I'll retire and we'll be full time podcasters, living off the the inventions that I recalled from the Nullarbor. <laughs> Nullarbor Podcasts and inventing things—that's the future for us. <clears throat> I'm keen. Ab- absolutely. I can Yeah. Like I said, I wish I had podcasts doing this, doing the the Nullarbor because it would have been. I probably would have meditated less, but obviously. Yeah, had a bad time. It's a good point, I think, what you make about the meditation because meditating's hard and it's like to put that time aside and to, to actually do it. Like it's bloody difficult, but there's there's plenty of things that put you in that state. And I think difficult exercise, like I like walking up mountains in the snow when you, you're kind of like a, you know, it's really hard and uncomfortable. So you've got no choice but to just empty your brain because otherwise you just start getting angry. It's like, why did I choose to do this? I'm sweating, but I'm cold and it hurts and this is going to take forever. So the only option is to empty your brain and just get into the, and it's the best type of meditation for sure. And you end up, especially in that scenario, you end up concentrating on your breath. Yeah. Which is exactly what yoga teaches you to do and meditation teaches you to do but without realizing it you're controlling your breath and your breath is what you hear and you're in and out and that's how it happened like um if you've ever read uh born to run the book have you read that i have heard of it but i have not read it it's about like these There's guys that born. are good runners in africa somewhere yeah, it's incredible mix. A great book, a mix of science, history, and then a live story where the guy goes and runs a marathon. But he talks about how literally humans were built to run, and the thing that is difference between, say, us and horses or dogs or, you know, four-legged animals that run is that our breath is independent from our stride, so we can run at a pace but control our breath. Whereas, so you can run down a horse or an elk or an antelope or something because each stride its diaphragm has to open and close (laughs) but we can go and and put four strides in yeah yeah i heard someone talk yeah exactly so that's that sort of thing and that and rabbits actually evolved to outrun he talks about this shit in the book it's fucking amazing how they rabbits their diaphragms independent of that stride and that's their how they outrun foxes and and things because evolved can do so the book's born amazing for us, is it christopher mcdougall christopher, yes, christopher mcdougall i haven't read it I'm and read you it. know what's great about it same thing the guy's like not uh he's not a super athlete and he wasn't even a good runner and he got aches and pains and sore knees and legs and things and he goes and runs an ultra marathon like we're regular humans and this is the thing like with fat chance or with people that look at me they're like man that's incredible and it's like it is that i rode a bike that far consistently over six weeks and that was what i was doing but it is just applying yourself like it is the massive cliche of one step at a time and you can do it because anyone can do it i'm i'm a regular guy who's just a bit crazier in the head than i believe you that anyone person. can do it but i think people a lot of people don't want to push themselves and they give up pretty early like so to for them to, for a lot of people to look at what you did it's just like you're crazy was uh that yeah no like was is crazy because 
you'd have to be crazy to do that. But at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, it's in everyone. You just got to apply yourself. That kind of leads me on to a question that I wanted to ask you and we can jump back if there's more that you want to talk about, about the ride. But like, as far as that stuff goes, what's, have you got any, like what's next? Because it's probably good to do these things and I know you want to do more of these things and I'm getting pretty inspired here right now. What is the next thing on your agenda? Something like this. You got any ideas, any plans? Well, I have plenty, I have plenty of time to think about it while cycling, but now that was, that was four years ago. Yeah. Um, actually cycling. Um, I don't have any, any solid plans. There's a few murdered. I really wanted to walk Burke and Will's track from Adelaide up to the Savannah way or to the, like the, you know, they were searching for that inland sea. They never even made it to the Gulf Carpentaria, yeah. but I really wanted to do that. Like, man, if you had the time, that'd be incredible. There's a guy that's done it, but he, it's all fenced. So you have to be crossing fences. So you can't take a camel or anything with you or like horses. So that's almost impossible. Um, cause not carrying anything that, that I wanted to do that while I was cycling. The other one kayaking to Tassie, Vico to Tassie. Yeah. That's, uh, that's close to. Well, that, that's, that's on a few people I know's list, including mine. So I think at some point we should try and make that happen. Definitely. It, Again, it's one of those things. That's Because I think riding across the Nullarbor is dangerous and you could get hit by a truck, but it's a different kind of danger, like the direct danger that you put yep. yourself in by trying to paddle across Bass Strait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely because you can push stop on the Nullarbor. Yeah. You can, so, when shit's going bad, <laughs> shit went bad at points. It was pissing rain. I was fucking shivering. God, like shit went bad, but you can push stop, and yeah. there's and there's cars going past. Where you've got an exit. Yeah, we can stop and different. have a. Snooze. It's a lot shorter though. You as can well. have a rest. Like in the water, you you have to find land. You can always pull an epurb and yeah. put it on someone else to save you. But um, it's not the ideal <laughs> yeah. scenario, is it? That. I'll launch a royal commission if they don't save you. They'll probably point the finger at me for keep paddling. But they, yeah, look, I'd. In terms of new next challenges, it's just about that time. I mean, I work full time at the moment. So do you. Yep. We we struggle to put together a week of surfing and and different things. There's lots of stuff I'd love to do. And you and I, I don't know if you want to give it away, but like if I was winning lottery today, I walk past a lottery ticket outlet. It's like <laughs> walk past I walk past them all the time as well. You know, I've never bought a lottery ticket in my life. Like, I've never- I don't buy lottery tickets. To, the maths doesn't add up. The maths. I'll tell you what. Buy those home. Lottery. No, but do, buy the home lottery like draws where you win a house or some shit. The stats of that, the chances of winning that, are so much better. And in the end, that's all you need is two million dollars. You don't need. Oh, anyway, uh, two million will do the trick. <laughs> I'm thinking. But knowing we were going to do Mount, this, I'll Mount walk Cook, past. I think. That's what we need. To- Mount Cook definitely achievable. Definitely. Definitely on the cards. I um, to when I walked past that lottery to outlet and I saw the millions and I was thinking about doing this tonight. And saw I the remembered back to the lotto ticket and I was like, "Fuck that! What would I do?" And heard I owned that. That would be achievable. 
Can we do a whole? Can we do an entire podcast on her island? Because it's my favourite place. Yeah. In a, in the world that I'll probably never go to. I'd really like to find someone yeah. that's been there. Uh, uh, mate, Ross Clark Jones. We've got to find him in Torquay. He lives in Torquay. We can find him. Do the podcast with it with him on Heard Island because I know he's like the world's well, biggest brother so, as well. So Heard Island's an island. Uh, if you draw a line between South Africa and Western Australia and then go south halfway to Antarctica, there's some islands there. One of them's called Heard Island, which is Australian territory. It's got a active volcano, which is also a glacier on it. It's fucking awesome. <clears throat> the highest mountain in Australian territory. So, and there's big waves down there and you could ski it. People have been there on scientific expeditions, but it's like, it's too far to go. So I don't know how you'd get there, but you and I were in Torquay in what used to be called base, which was a failed business venture by a bunch of surf board shapers. One of them being Maurice Cole and Maurice Cole was in there. Do you remember? We got chatting to him. Yep. And for somehow we got talking about Heard Island. He's like, yeah, yeah, Ross, Ross knows all about it, mate. He's, he's keen to go down there. I was like, fuck, mate, let's, let's get Ross and get Red Bull to pay for it. We're all going to Heard Island. Me and you were going to ski. Ross can surf. It's going to be sick. Because that's the closest we've been uh, <laughs> to getting to Heard Island. But that and, and back in 2004 when we worked at Hotham, Ross Clark Jones and Tommy Carroll oh, came up to came Hotham up, yeah. and skied at Snowboard at the mountain that year and there was i never saw them but there was chat they were on the hill I was like, oh yeah no, no, yeah i was like i head up there yeah. a bit but anyway it'd be still whether or not you get red bull to foot the bill that's what you well, need basically you've got to di- charter a boat because it's for it's 4700 k's from perth it's a long way like you're staying six months to get a window to climb and yeah and i think the weather is come down. that's what's happening pretty fucked oh. We can't, yeah, it can't be better than Hobart. And <laughs> it's definitely yeah, better. Yeah, it's not, not great down there. Uh, so, look, <laughs> I don't know how long have we been talking for? Because it's irrelevant. That's an hour. I'm thinking, is there anything else what? you wanted to say about Fat Chance? I would say go and watch the documentary, search Fat Chance documentary 2017 on youtube um and go and check it out but, yeah it's i'm super stoked since we put it out on youtube for people to see it's got i don't know how many views it's got but it's you, you were chatting people you were enjoying it and for a while there yeah we had it on there we we were square for money that we put into it like you no one makes a documentary an hour documentary that's watchable with no budget, which is exactly what we did. We've recouped the money and, you know, like people like yourself donated music to it. The Pierce brothers put their tunes to it for nothing to make it, you know, a great soundtrack. And there were so many people that donated time and money and skills that I didn't have to it. So it, it came together really well. And, and it is something that I'm really proud of. And this kind of stemmed like a um, friend, Alex, who hadn't seen it messaged me she's like oh what's the link of can watch your doc a week or two ago and um watch it and just totally frothed on it and then i was at the pub with her on um the weekend and she was just over frothing about like how cool it was and it reignited in me like it's an amazing thing that to be done but then to be able to pass the message on and every now and then i'll get a message on instagram or on facebook saying 
you know, thanks very much. Like, blah, blah, this is incredible. Awesome stuff. So yeah, look, mate, it's something that fuck it's shaped me. Like I've learned a whole lot about myself from doing it. I'm so proud of it and yeah, hope that uh, people should definitely give it a listen. Give it a, Oh yeah. Give it a listen. I think the second one should be all about the guy, Alex in it. There's a, teaser for someone to watch the doco wait till you meet alex because that guy was a fucking character that was so serendipitous that i met him at the time that i did in the film because he was just this this uh east East german ex-army wearing army clothes he had a backpack with a shovel sticking out of it riding down the side of the road in the bush and he uh yeah he was a bit different he messaged me a year after i like um year after i met him and he's like hey you're the only cyclist that i saw on this whole trip he ended up sleeping in a cave in tassie in the snow sent me some photos from it like just the fucking weirdest dude his weird name on facebook is in japanese in japanese characters because he didn't want they thought the government was following him like <laughs> cycling across australia he's probably, he's probably not happy dude. that he's in a documentary Government can find him. <laughs> they can. Facial recognition. We're coming for you, Alex. Probably not his real name. But nah, it was, yeah, it was a cool thing to uh, to do. Yeah, good. No, it's it's good and you should be proud of it. And it is worth a watch. And if hopefully it inspires, like it's getting me pumped just talking about it to, to, to do some things like that. To get, get out there, you know, get out there. So look, Look, I think we're running out of time, so let's skip the bar snacks tonight. So normally we would talk, have bar snacks, a few things to talk about, unless there's anything you really want to talk about. No, look, we've always got plenty of bar snacks to talk about. I'm enjoying the podcast that we're doing. Um, I think we, we jump, should... Uh, why don't we jump to last drinks? Which jump is, to last drinks, all right. Which is, of course... Which is... Was what has got you frothing this week? Frothing. As usual, I've been frothing on lots of stuff. Fuck, I made a list this time because I kept forgetting what I was frothing on. We had some North Swell in Perth. That was sick because it happens every few years and I surfed that new board, but we already talked about that. So (laughs) random froth. What's got me frothing? Cooking, mate. Cooking. Cooking. I've been in the kitchen. Yeah, inspired in keto. the kitchen. Cooking, cooking keto, um, semi keto. I found out the uh, the puff pastry is as keto pastry as you can get because it's mostly butter and it's light. So, oh, okay. uh, so get all your keto, get all your keto goodness. I've got a, a chicken leek mushroom bacon pie, and uh, put that in the oven. I don't know why. I just got inspired. Then I cooked a quiche. I cooked uh, Churdo's famous steak sauce, the blue cheese mushroom red onion steak sauce that is like a bit of Worcestershire sauce. I can vouch so for I your should, should chicken leg pie. That's a classic, delicious, um, absolutely. Puff pastry, 40 grams of fat in 100 grams of pastry. Yep, fair enough. It's fair enough. It's, pro- it's, all, it's like as close to keto as you get. So... Yeah, I mate, I, I don't know why. Just been frothing the kitchen. Got home like buzzing to cook some tucker. Only the problem is I live by myself, so I've now got I've eaten I've eaten chicken leg pie for two days, and now I've got uh, 
cash four days worth of cash sitting there. So that's, 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 that's how you do it. That, that's how you do it. And then you got it for lunch. I've been doing the same. Just like cook a shitload. And then I've got a fridge full of two meals uh, for the week. Sorted. Sorted. I Rocking. think the only way to do the um, diet as well. Like you have to meal prep. Otherwise, it's really hard to eat lunch. It's bloody. I think meal prep and doesn't have bread or pasta. Yeah, I, I think meal prep as much as just like house prep. It's easy for me because everything in the house fits the rules. If you've got someone not doing it, so if anyone is keen to do it, a hundred percent hit us up. Whatever, I'll, I'll send you some cheap food lists of how to do it. Watch the doco, get your froth on, but. The key is to get people on the bandwagon and do it for two weeks. Is that what you recommend, Andy? Two weeks? Dr. Andy here. Dr. Andy here. Yeah. Look, if you've not yeah, done it before, you, you have to do it for at least two weeks because people just struggle. They get like sick and tired. and It's like, yeah. But after two weeks, something will click and then it's like you're on speed every day. Woo. <laughs> yeah. It's fully cheap mode. It is you know absolutely you have, you know cheap you mode. Get, you need to like measure what, like you almost need, there's apps like Easy Diet Diary to measure what you're eating yeah. to start with just to get a feel for how much fat you're supposed to eat and because it is kind of tricky to get the balance right to start with. But once you understand what foods are what, it becomes easier. But you almost need to monitor what you eat for the first week, I reckon, just to get a feel for because it's a, it's pretty. If you're going to do it properly, you need to go really high fat, really low carbs. But you can do different. Absolutely. Food, and the, and the half of that is habit. Going to the supermarket, you walk down the aisle. There's thousands of products there, and you only see what you regularly buy. So training yourself to buy the other things, or to buy what's on the diet and what fits. And the number one tip for it is, if you're hungry. Go real hard on the fats. Go and eat nuts, macadamia nuts, almonds, Brazil nuts. Like eat the really high-fat food and eat as much as you want of that high-fat food. Go go crazy on it because for the first week, you eat heaps. And then the second week, you realize or you don't realize but you start skipping meals because you're not yeah. hungry. You forget to eat lunch on the weekend and you get to dinner, you're not hungry and you're like, shit, I didn't actually – I've eaten – bacon and eggs today and that's it and it's six o'clock at night i should probably eat again and that's when things really click for you so going hard on those fats you don't count calories don't do it one of the things um is actually in it if you do watch the film watch the credits like chris who did some filming for us he and mel were editing for us and they watched the doc and like shit this is pretty compelling we should give it a crack he lost 11 kilos in two months eating like this and just couldn't, people couldn't believe it because he wasn't eating bacon for lunch oh, yeah. at work. It's the way to lose weight. If I put on a few kilos, I just switch back to keto for two weeks and I lost, I lose four, four kilos in two weeks easily. Yeah, definitely. So look, it's not a weight loss. Like I said, we're not doctors. If you want the science of it, watch the film and there's but, doctors uh, in the if you want to go a doctor there is the doctors there's t- a singular doctors. dr joe yeah dr yeah. joe legends dr joe he's a good good like um so that yeah anyway cooking cooking, cooking. Taka, good food in the kitchen for one 
or two, come around. I'll put dinner on. What's got you, Froth and Andy Watkins? Oh, I had a few. Did you want to beep out your last name? No, I don't care. That's my name. You know what's got I because I don't. I think that last one podcast was like two weeks ago or something. But since then, the surf comp at Margaret River ran, and it was pretty average here and there. But there was one day at the box, which was like eight to ten feet clean pumping, and uh, it was carnage. Italo Ferreira got. His first wave that he'd ever caught at the box was like a a ten foot slab that he paddled into late, got to the bottom, did some weird disco dance move, no, and then just got this no hand barrel and got spat out. But the highlight was when Jack Robinson, the local guy, paddled out, and he just made it look like a whole different place that everyone else was surfing. I don't know if you watched it, but he paddled out and just got. Is this Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, just got like bomb after bomb of perfect barrels where everyone else was eating shit and just made Philippe Toledo look like a, like, (laughs) like he made him look scared. Like he didn't even, he was just handing them off to him and he was just pulling in. It was, it was like the best day surf viewing that Saturday. I think it was last Saturday. I just like set up on the couch all day and watched that start to finish. It was, it was good viewing and it got me pretty pumped. And it's got me pumped. Absolutely. That, that, that place though, like I frothed a bit of marks because it's sick that it's local, but I don't think the box is the best place for a surf comp for, cause it's sick. It's a slab and it's exciting, but, and it sorts out if you and I are out there, we're not winning anything, but Hell no. what, like, is it really the best place for a comp? Like I granted you want to see guys pull into slabs, but, I think, is it good for a comp? I, I think it was this day because it was consistent. There was a lot of waves. I think it's good to have something that just tests the surfers. They're supposed to be the best surfers in the world. They should be able to deal with this shit. And it really separates the guys that can do it and the guys that can't do it. Like, isn't that a weakness in your game if you can't pull into an eight-foot slab? Or is that not a part of surfing yeah. that you should learn just because you were born in Brazil? Or something like that. I, it was sick. I think other times I watched it, and it's been inconsistent and not that exciting. But this was this was exciting. There was oh, Connor Coffin got this wave where he took off behind the peak, and there was like ten dolphins surfing it with him. That was pretty awesome. It was like classic. Uh, Go on. I think. Yeah, I get your point, but you didn't see it, man. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. I was rodeoing. Getting stood on in the groin. Oh, how'd your radio go? I get, I get that. Oh, this is such a teaser of a sport because I rode probably the best I'd ridden. Was up there, giving it to my bull, got got legs up, got my spurring in and came off at 7.4 seconds. And I know in myself that was my best ride and I would have gone to the top probably second at least in the uh, standings, if I'd uh, if I'd have pulled it off, but you get zero. That's how it goes. Because you need you to get eight time, seconds. You get zero. You need to get eight seconds, so I got zero. When do they stop? Do they stop the, the clock when you hit the ground, or when you come off the saddle? When do they decide? When, well, there's no saddle, but um, the, in in the bull ride. But when you let go of your rigging, when you get let go of your rope, then you're off. Or when you touch the bull um, with a hand. So I, yeah. 
pretty much was doing splits hanging <laughs> off the side of it, but yeah, it got zero. It it's such a teaser of a sport, but big money up at Mullow Rodeo. It's a bloody good show if anyone should go to that. But it's just one of those things. And then there's another bull ride between before our trip to the surf to Red Bluff, and I've I'm tapping out. I'm I've been swim training. I'm in I'm in the zone. We're going surfing. There's uh, I've so you got one yoga more again before then. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing it. It's just a bull ride at Magumba. So no more bull rides. I'm, I'll go along and help out, but I'm not riding. Where I'm on the swim training and the yoga bandwagon. We are going to have salad and go surfing. Sounds Salad good. sandwiches Sounds and good. surfing, right? Um, yeah, so that's two weeks from now. I'll be over there. So we'll probably do another podcast in two weeks' time when I'm over. Find someone to join us. Yep. Um, yep, through the guests. Yep. This has been fun. You're you're not bad on the interview, Andy. Um, I appreciated well, it. I was. I'm gonna try and get an interview with the own one of the owners of the Wandy Pub on the weekend as well. If I can get half an hour with him, it's an interesting life. But I won't promise that one, so I won't talk it up just yet. Um, what do we say? So check out. Oh, you know what? If you're listening still, and jump onto iTunes, go and give us a rating and a review. If it's five stars, that'll really help us. But any anything will do. Give us some feedback, constructive or otherwise. We'll take it on board. Um, yeah, do that. Give us a follow on Instagram, one off the wood. Go to YouTube and watch Fat Chance the documentary. And what's the out? What we're going to play the song that you used as the intro to Fat Chance. Yeah, the theme track, the theme song. So a mix of No Photo Tunes and Pierce Brothers, which if you look at the comments on YouTube, got written off and I got a personal message about how unwatchable the documentary was due to the, the soundtrack that you supplied, Andy. So thanks. Mate, you've, thanks you've that. talked that up because I've got the comment in front of me. You said the constant background music is distracting. So that's more about how you've edited it rather than my music. So. No, no I, got, I, got a, I got a personal message from a lady saying that the indie rocking soundtrack was indie rock. unlistenable. Indie rock, mate. So fun. But yeah, yeah. play that. That's a sick one. It's the I don't fucking try and suck up to you now, and, uh... <laughs> What's it called? This is, is it even no photo? Um, yeah, it's no photo. Charge? Is that one? Oh, I thought it was someone like me. Someone... Which one do you want? They're, they're all in there. Play them both, mate. Fuck it. I can only, I'm only going to put one on. Which one? Large and in charge? Large and in charge is good. It's about my drunk, mate. So this is no photo. Large No photo. Actually, we're going to add them. They're going to be on Spotify in about a week's time. So uh, you'll be able to listen to all your old favorites. Get around it. Fuck yeah. And if you want your tune played on One Off The Wood, Make sure you send it to us somehow because we will play it. The we first time it comes in, we'll get played 100%. No matter how bad it is, you're in. Rock and roll. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, mate. It's been fun. Hooroo. Seen a couple of weeks. Bloody hooroo. Hooroo.
Thank you.